Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are in the world. This is Augie of the Blago Blabber podcast. I'd like to welcome everyone to yet another episode. Uh, today's topic, I'm I'm going to discuss um, a bit of uh, Arsenal, actually. Uh, and it kind of makes sense because, you know, we're... don't think we're halfway through the season yet, but there's already been so many ups and downs with, with this team. Um, after starting off with three straight defeats... You know, the team went on nine or ten games undefeated, and, you know, now we're back in a uh, bit of a rut, so to say. Um, hard time scoring goals, hard, hard time getting production from the players that we need to produce, hard time defending and conceding against better teams, and uh, it's all kind of all came to a head against Everton, a team that's been really struggling in the Premier League uh, this season. And, you know, you you lose that match and they're without their best striker and they have two goals called off for offside. And, you know, Arsenal scores a goal that was completely against the run of play. I think the Everton was a better side side in the first half. And they were definitely the better side in the second half where they scored yet another goal and had another one disallowed. And, you know, it kind of begs the question, where is this team? What's going on? How how to fix this and um, what to do uh, going forward? So before I start, um, no Arteta out for me. I'm I'm not going to do that because he's not going to get sacked. Upper management has already said that they're not going to sack him. The only way I think this is really going to happen is if Arsenal goes on a uh, losing binge and you know they don't they go you know winless in in eight nine matches. I think that's the only way that. Um, Mikel Arteta is getting sacked as the next manager for Arsenal. I think it also begs the question, if you do sack Arteta, where do you go for the next manager? Because it feels like, again, everyone is, is kind of taken. Everyone has already picked a team for, from, you know, Conte. I guess Zidane is the only guy that's kind of out there now. But, Con, you know, Conte recently got a job. And I think he was one of the Arsenal targets in, in past seasons, and that's not going to happen with him at Tottenham now. Um, Massimiliano Allegri is, went back to Juve, and, you know, Ancelotti's back in Real Madrid, although he's been there for a while now, but, you know, they're just, where do you go? I, I think Ten Hag is, is the only kind of manager out there that you would even think about hiring, I guess, at this point. There could be some other managers who kind of come out of out of the woodwork, so to say, but... He's pretty much the only guy that's... And he's been rumored with a lot of jobs. He was rumored with the United job. He was rumored with the Tottenham job. And I'm sure if, if Mikel Arteta does get sacked, he'll be rumored with the Arsenal job. But he's done an incredible job with, with Ajax. And, <clears throat> you know, kind of building up that team. A bunch of young kids who are all maturing now, who are pretty much ready to be sold, I guess. And, you know, Ajax just takes that money and puts it back into their academy. And they've been doing that for a number of years, a long time. And we think back, you know, three, four seasons ago when, you know, they made that Champions League run and they almost made it to the final. But anyways, I'm not here to say, you know, Arteta out just because I don't think that's going to happen. Um, the team has given, the board has given uh, Mikel financial backing by signing players this past off season, And that's going to have to continue into the new year in January, I think, if this team wants to fulfill whatever... Uh, it is that they want to that they want to do this season, whether that's top four, whether that's top six, whatever the case may be. Um, the team obviously needs more strengthening. So, 
the Everton match was just a tough one to take, as I already mentioned. Uh, winless in eight matches. Fans kind of turned their backs on the team, ownership, and, and Benitez. You know, they staged the walkout in the 27th minute of the match. And, you know, that, that all should have been even more of a reason for Arsenal to come out stronger and, you know, win the match. But you go up 1-0 and then you sit back in a shell and you kind of defend, which is not something that Arsenal has done ever apart from, you know, when uh, Mikel took over the, the club. That was never a thing under Unai Emery. And I've said it before, Unai Emery was fight fire with fire. He was going to put out the most offensive lineup against the big dogs, the Manchester Cities, the Liverpools, the Manchester United, whoever it may be. He was always going to put out like an attacking lineup. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, uh, then you move on to the next match. Uh, the the lineup, I had one issue with it, and that was Xhaka starting from minute one. I thought he was, I thought he was going to feature in the match, but I didn't think he was going to start. I thought he would come off the bench maybe for 20, 25 minutes. Instead, he played the full match, uh, picked up a yellow, and was probably at fault for the second goal because if he didn't have a yellow, he could have easily brought down, I forget who the midfielder was, but he could have brought him down, you know, picked up a yellow, and, and you know, Everton doesn't score that second goal. Uh, Abba deserved to be dropped. I think that his form has been awful uh, this whole season pretty much. He's maybe had one or two games where he's kind of been the old uh, Obama Yang, but that hasn't been the case uh, lately. And I think, you know, I read some stuff that there might be a rift between him and, and Mikel Arteta. It's funny, every time Oba goes through a tough stage, it's a rift between him and the manager. Um, so I'm not going to take too much from that. Uh, but again, he deserved to be dropped. He just hasn't been scoring uh, he's missed some sitters and sometimes all it takes is for, you know, your star player to kind of, well, I don't even know if he's a star player anymore, but captain, you know, just to sit him down and, and you know, he's still, I thought he was going to get more minutes. I mean, I had no issues with him being benched, but I thought he was going to get more than, you know, 10 minutes to, to kind of show what he has in a match that, you know, we really should have won, uh, again, against the struggling Everton side hasn't, hadn't won since I believe September, which was a long time ago. And, you know, we couldn't get anything. Uh, and Kedia getting playing time. The, the first thing is he's getting playing time after rejecting a contract. For me, I have a rule. If, you know, you reject a contract, you're not even in the team. Like, I'm not even bringing you to, to the matches. And I'm willing to sell you whenever the next transfer window opens up. Or you're going to go on a free depending on how the contract uh, is structured and when you're, when you're technically a free agent. So he wouldn't have even been on the bench for me. So he's taking minutes from uh, a Balogun, a kid that we signed to a new contract this past summer. And, you know, Balogun, if you follow the Arsenal U23s, U21s, whatever the case may be, he's just outgrown that level of competition. Like he scores a goal or two every match, it feels like. So he's clearly outgrown that. There's rumors that Arsenal want to loan him out, but there is no reason to loan him out when he could literally play for Arsenal right now and probably contribute more than the current players on the roster. So there's no reason to, to loan him out. Absolutely none. Have him on the bench. Let him learn with the team. You don't have to start him every game. You don't have to play him every game. Just let him sit on the bench and learn from the team going forward. Because he's at an age where he's, you know, 20, 21 years, 21 years old. And, you know, we're, we've come to the come to the kind of the point in his career where he should be good enough to be 
at least on the bench. At a club like Arsenal, he should be probably starting to tell you the truth. He's 2021. He's still with the club. He's come up through the youth ranks. He should be starting and or at least getting, you know, minutes off the bench. But clearly um, not how that's not how it's working with uh, Arteta at the helm. So, you know, he's still resorting to playing for the U23s or U21s, whatever the case may be. Um, You know, Pepe isn't playing. And I'm not saying that he hasn't deserved it, but he should at least feature before Eddie and Kedia. I mean, Eddie had a huge chance where he hit the pose from, you know, two yards out. And I'll, he created two or three chances that weren't taken by Arsenal. And it's the miss, though, that kills you. Like, you're a striker. You have to be clinical from two or three yards out. You know, if you miss from 20, 25, okay, you can live with that. Um, but you can't be missing um, fr- from close close range. And, you know, now it kind of looks stupid that Arsenal rejected West Ham's bid of, I think it was $20 million, uh last summer for Eddie and Kedia. And now, you know, he's probably going to, he's probably going to walk on a free unless Arsenal sells him um, in the winter, which, I mean, if his contract is done in, in the summer, I don't see why a, a team would purchase him uh, in the winter transfer market. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, uh, Thomas Partey, uh, he, and I've been very critical of him and people are starting to become very critical of him as well. He's just not playing up to the potential, up to the price tag that we paid for him. He's injured a lot. It feels like whenever he strings together two or three matches where he's played really well, he's out for, you know, a month and a half to two. And again, he's going to be missing for the African Cup of Nations. So, you know, you're going to go probably, probably three or four weeks without him in the lineup. Now, I spoke about the lineup and I mentioned I wouldn't have started Xhaka. So now you're pairing Xhaka, a guy who hasn't played in three months, with Thomas Partey, a guy who's been completely out of form. Can you see how that just doesn't really work uh, very well? Uh, I think what should have been done is, you know, you play Maitland-Niles with Thomas Partey or you play Lokonga with Thomas Partey. I don't think that we should have played Xhaka and Partey for that exact reason. One is coming off a three-month injury and the other guy's completely out of form. So that, that made no sense to me. The bright news, or the good news, I guess. Odegaard scored again, so that's his second goal in two matches. He's kind of regaining that form that he had with Arsenal last season towards the tail end. I thought that he was probably the second best player on the pitch. I think I think he had a very good game, but it just kind of gets overshadowed because there's so much negativity, the loss, you know, whatever the case may be. So we always overlook anything that's good uh, in a loss, which makes sense. I mean, that's normal for fans to do. You know, you could, you, we, we always, and the same way I'm mentioning right now, you know, he had a good game and he scored a goal and it's his second in, in two games. Like you could, you just kind of mention that and then you kind of focus on all the negative, unfortunately, because, you know, the team did lose to a team that was struggling. Uh, Martinelli continued to play him. Uh, he's a ball of energy, so to say. He's kind of all over the place. And he was a, he's a little bit quieter than he was in the previous match. Um, or sorry, against the match. I think it was against Newcastle, I guess. But continue to play him. And even against United, he wasn't that bad. Just continue to play him because, or at least give him minutes again off the bench. It, it's a shame that a player who did so well for us last season has been completely overlooked for a majority of the season. 
And credit to him, he's still young. He hasn't complained about it. He's still working hard. He wants to be a part of the team. There were some rumors that Arsenal could sell him. I wouldn't. I think he's a bright player because he could play a bunch of positions. And if you know me, I love when a player can play just more than one position where you could kind of shift them from the left to the right, the striker, whatever the case may be. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, depending what happens in the transfer window, there could be minutes for him as an, as a center forward. But we'll see again, and I'll get to this later on. Um, we'll see what happens with some of the players in the squad and who gets sold and what happens in January. January is usually a little bit quieter. Like the transfer window is quieter than the summer transfer window. Um, just because a lot of a lot of players and, and teams don't like bringing guys in the middle of the season where they you know have to adjust kind of on the fly, whereas you can bring in a guy in the summer and then he has you know a month month and a half to adjust to his new team, which kind of makes sense. But you know deals have happened, big deals have happened um, in in January, so I don't want to take the focus off that. And um, next point is we've just looked awful against the top teams. Um, we've conceded two against pretty much every big team. And I'm not including, no disrespect to West Ham or, or Leicester City, I'm not including this them in this because they're they're not the big six, so to say, in, in, in Premier League. So, you know, Chelsea, 2-0 loss, City, 5-0, Liverpool, 4-0, United, 3-2. And I just threw in Spurs there because they are considered part of the big six. Don't know why, but 3-1 uh, win against Spurs. So the next step for Mikel has to be taking points from those big teams. That's the next step. We're kind of getting into this thing now where, you know, we can take points from, seems like everyone, but teams in the top six. Apart from if, you know, if you kind of take out Everton and Brentford's just a different kind of scenario, but the next step has to be taking points from the big teams. And, you know, you have a year, you have 10 matches versus the top six teams obviously you don't play yourself home and away against everyone else five times two is ten simple math i think that you have to get anywhere from 14 to 17 points to be effective in a season and that's assuming that you kind of take care of all the other teams that you you know you don't lose more than three four matches against the teams who are in the lower tier like the wadfords uh, Newcastle's, uh, Crystal Palace, even though we tied them, Norwich, Burnley, teams like that, Brentford, if you want to put them in, in that conversation as well. So 14 to 17 points is kind of where you need to be at, I think. Anything anything over 17, I think, is really good. Uh, at least for at least for Arsenal right now, because um, I think that, as I said, our... Mikel has kind of, for the most part, figured out what he is against some of the other clubs, like the lower tier teams. But now it's time to get points against the big dogs. And that has to be the next um, next push that he kind of makes. You have to win. So you have five games at home. You have to win probably three against the big dogs at home. So that's nine points. And then you got to pick up another probably eight away from home. And, you know, I think that's kind of the next step. Is it doable with this team? I'm not too sure. It doesn't look like that right now. But it also depends on which Arsenal shows up. I think that there's probably only two teams 
of the top six that Arsenal, I don't think that we can really do anything against. And that's Manchester City and Liverpool. I think Man United, this is the worst Man United team I've ever seen. I think Spurs, we could get something out of those matches. And Chelsea, even though they're a little bit wounded now and they're struggling a little bit, we technically, on a good day, we can get something from Chelsea. And we've shown that last season, I think the season before, um, when we beat them in the cup, I believe it was, that we can get something out of those matches. But we're still far, far away from you know Manchester City and Liverpool. I, we're not even in the, in the same class. So for this season, you know, 14 to 17 points. And all we have against those teams right now is three. And that's that's the win against Spurs. So there's a lot of work to be done. I wanted to touch on a little bit on the winter transfer window. And a couple of names, you know, that could possibly be sold. Some players will see what kind of happens with them going forward. So you have three strikers. You have Aubameyang, whose contract expires end of 2023 or June 2023. You have Alexander Lacazette, whose contract expires June 30th, 22. Uh, you have Pepe, whose contract expires 2024, and Eddie Nketiah, 22 as well. So the end of summer. So what I would do is... You kind of look at Lacazette and you look at Aubameyang. And I think the player who you can get the most money for, you sell that. You sell that player. And that's probably Aubameyang. I think you could still probably get, I mean, 20 to 25 million, I think you could get for Aubameyang. I think you keep Lacazette, even though his contract is finished in June. You keep Lacazette because you still need um, a kind of veteran presence with all these young players so I think you keep Lacazette on the team and you know I don't expect him to sign and I don't really want Arsenal to sign him but you keep him until June and you just let him walk as a as a free agent and then you know Nicola Pepe I like the guy it just hasn't worked out at all like it just hasn't worked out for Arsenal it hasn't worked out for him and you know they, they showed the meme where like he's looking at and Kedia, when he was coming on, he has this face like he's pissed. And, you know, from from what I know, from what I've read, Nico Pepe hasn't really complained about playing time. And he's kind of wondering why Eddie is getting playing time over him, which I understand as well. But he also hasn't done himself any favors because when he has played, he hasn't done too much. And that's, I'm talking about from when he first arrived at Arsenal. He's had stretches where, you know, for five four or five matches, you know, he'll get like two goals and four assists or something like that. And we're like, well, is this finally the guy? And then he'll go four matches where he just doesn't show up at all. And he's started for, he started a lot of matches since he's been at Arsenal. So big price tag he came on and he just simply hasn't lived up to the hype at all. But he's someone who, when he is on, he's, it's tough, it's hard for me to, Name anyone else on this team who could create more than Nico Pepe. It just doesn't happen often. That's the issue. So, I mean, I would keep him. I would entertain offers for him. Uh, I know AC Milan were interested in him from what I've read. You know, they're out of Europe altogether. So, abysmal season for AC Milan in, in Europe. I think they were sniffing around Nico Pepe. I think it was like 30, 35 million. 
and you know another player is is uh, Eddie Nkedia, who I've touched on before, and his contract expires uh, in June or end of June 2022, so this summer. So I would I would try to sell him right now if if I could if I could get at least. It's tough because his contract is done, you know, in the summertime. So you're not going to get a, if you could get 10 to 15, maybe 12 to 15, I would do it without even thinking about it twice. And maybe he'll go on somewhere else and he'll score a lot of goals and he'll be a great player. I just don't think that's Arsenal. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure on, on, you know, kids coming out of Arsenal's academy, being one of the better ones in Europe and probably the world. There's a lot of pressure. And we saw that with, you know, Alex Iwobi, who came up, you know, I guess four, like six, seven years ago now. Just because, and it was it was difficult for Iwobi because for a long time, Arsenal didn't have anyone come through the academy. And then he kind of burst onto the scene and we all kind of put all trust into him, which wasn't fair for him. I mean, he was like 17, 18 years old at the time. And, you know, we had Wilshire and then Ramsey and Fabregas. And we've had a lot of good players come through the academy. And I think Fabregas said it, that there was just way too much pressure on him. 17 years old, coming into, you know, first team and people expecting you to do wonders at that age. It's crazy. But that's the, you know, that's kind of the reputation that Arsenal has. They produce a lot of good players through their academy. So I would, I mean, no disrespect to Eddie, and I know he hasn't really received a fair shake of this during his time. I think he just came up through the through probably the worst time for him because that was around the time Obama Yang came to Arsenal and he just started scoring goals and there was literally no there's nowhere to put Eddie. And then he had Lacazette next to him. So either starting Laka and Abba, depending on the formation, it was usually four, two, three, one. So one of the two is starting. And then you know you kind of pushed um Obama Yang to the wing so you can start Lacazette. And that really didn't work out. But, you know, Mikel kept on forcing it, even though he wasn't working out. And, you know, Eddie just never received a fair shake. Um, like, I feel for him, but even when he has received uh, minutes, he, he hasn't done too much with it. And I realize he scored, you know, some goals for Arsenal, but majority of the time he just didn't do enough with it. And, you know, there's other players on the team who are, you know, kind of rumors that other teams... I've inquired. Um, Leno's obviously not happy that he's a backup now. Uh, Pablo Mari, he's just expressed that he wanted to. He has expressed that he wants to go back to Brazil and play for Flamengo. Uh, Robert Holding, uh, Sead Kolasinac, who was on his way to, feels like he was already his transfer was done to Fenerbahce. That fell through. You know we have Chambers, Cedric Suarez, who barely even gets on the bench now. There's a Lenny. I think they're all kind of for sale. All those players are for sale. And I don't think that we're going to sell both Mari and, and Holding because you still need to have some kind of center back in case someone does get, get injured. And we've had awful luck with that. Knock on wood that no one gets injured. But, you know, we have had some bad luck with injuries, especially in the back line with makeshift lineups. And, oh, God, when I think about it. But there's a lot of guys who are who could leave if not in January, they're going to be gone in the summer. And, you know, hopefully the team can make some money to bring in reinforcements at other positions of need. And it's crazy because I and I actually tweeted this. It feels like Arsenal tried to patch up the holes with center back. So he brought in Ben White. 
We bought Tomiyasu at right back and we bought a goalkeeper. So it feels like we're patching up those holes. Like those are no longer holes. And then two others open up, which is center forward and uh, a DM, central defensive midfield. So you patch up three, two open. So, man, it's been a rough go, but uh, the team, again, has to spend money. And I think, I get that we did spend a lot of money this, this summer, but man, we hit on some... We hit on some gems like Tomiyasu looks like he's going to be a really good player going forward. I like the Odegaard signing. I know a lot of folks don't like that for some reason. He's already captain of Norway. Norway, uh, So he shows to his maturity. You don't always just look at a player's age and say, you know, he's he's young or whatever. It's, just, it's how much mature you are. Maturity doesn't have an age, right? Remember I said that. So, um, you know, Ramsdale's been uh, an exceptional hit for Arsenal. So, you know, the team would look to offload Leno and I could see him going back to Germany. I know a lot of teams over there need a goalkeeper. So, you know, that that's possibly where he could end up. And yeah, Pablo Mari, I already mentioned he wants to go back to Brazil from Mingo. I don't blame him. He's not even on the bench ever. It's usually holding sometimes Chambers, a that's when he's healthy, Suarez and you know, we also hit on, on Taveras, Nuno Taveras, who was, I believe, 8 million pounds or euros. I can't remember right now. But anyways, it, it's been a it's been a good hit. And it's something that at the time I was saying needs to be done because Kieran Tierney's injured a lot. He's great when he plays, but he's injured a lot. And you need to have a backup plan. Last season, we didn't have a backup plan. We just kind of threw players out there. Sometimes it was Cedric Suarez. Sometimes it was Hector Bellerin. And we just, we just didn't have a kind of a natural replacement for him. And doing that with with him bringing Nuno, Nuno Taveras, it, it's a good look for the team. Also, another thing, thing I'll say is the reason why I think that either Aubameyang or Lacazette has to stay, you need some kind of veteran player on the team. And I get that they're not really vocal or they don't really... You can't see it out there that that they're kind of the leaders of this club, but you need someone who's at least, you know, over 25. And I get that Xhaka's there. I think one of the two needs to stay. And I think I wouldn't blame either guy if you wanted to leave, but I think one of the two for that position up top, you, you need to have someone there because the players behind him are very young in, in Saka, Emil Smith-Rowe, Odegaard has said he's mature, but like Martinelli, these guys are very young. So you're going to need a leader up top who can kind of help them out at least until the summer. And then we'll, we'll, we'll look to see what happens. But I think that the club needs to to purchase a center forward right now because even though we're we're okay defensively against some of the lower teams in in the Premier League, we we have trouble scoring. So that that's an issue. And when your players are out of form, I think it's too much asking for Saka and Emil Smith Rowe and Odegaard to kind of carry the load. So I would I would keep either Lacazette or Aubameyang. And honestly, I think both are going to stay. I, I I don't, again, a lot of big transfers don't have, not that it would be a big transfer because they're, they're probably only worth 20, 25 million, but I don't know if either guy is going to, is going to get sold. But again, you need, you need veterans around a very, very young team. And yeah, that's the, that's the episode today. So I just wanted to discuss a little bit um, about the roller coaster season that Arsenal's had thus far. Uh, this episode, like all will be available, Spotify, Anchor. Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, uh, pretty much wherever you listen. So 
Uh, thank you guys for listening and we'll talk again down the road sometime. Thank you.